0: So going back to our topic, as we have already mentioned today, we're going to talk about the autumn feast because we know that uh, there are three main feasts and three uh, different uh, uh, timelines in the uh, worship of yahuwah which falls along three major feast dates: one in the spring, and then in the summer, and then also the autumn. In the spring, is the, the unleavened the Passover feast of fruits. Then we have Pentecost, and then we have lastly the autumn feast, which is three festivals. We have the Day of Trumpets, followed by the Day of Atonement, and then the 7 year celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. So today we're going to discuss the question posed by many: actually, why do we still observe the autumn feast today? Because they say we are Christians, and as Christians, we no longer should observe the autumn feasts of Yahuwah. And the reason why they make uh, that argument is because they say that there are biblical passages which tell us that we should no longer observe the feasts, including the Sabbath, that Yahuwah mentioned in the book of Leviticus. And the two primary biblical texts that they use is number one, Galatians 4, 9 to 10, and number two, Colossians 2, 16 and 23. Now before we go ahead and look at Galatians, and also the book of Colossians, I think we need to first ask this very, very important question. And how we answer this question, I think will shed a lot of light into whether or not we should continue to observe the festivals of Yahuwah. And what question is that? It's this question, did our King Yahusha and his apostles observe the feast? Because if Yahusha observed the feast and the apostles also observed the feast, isn't it good that we should also do the same thing? And so, is it a sin to practice and observe the Feast of Yahusha and the Feast of Yahuwah? Is it a sin to observe the Sabbath? Because there are people today who seem to be very, very upset when we preach and when we practice all about the festivals of Yahuwah. But they're not upset, you know, they don't really care if people practice Easter or Christmas or Halloween right? Or they celebrate New Year, celebrate the 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day. That's okay. No problem. But when we observe the feasts of Yahuwah, all of a sudden, we begin to oppose it vehemently. And we don't even know why. What's the, the reason behind that? Is it a sin to practice and observe the festivals of Yahuwah? Or is it a good thing? Is it a sin to practice Sabbath? Or is it a good thing? So we begin by asking a question. Well, did our King Yahusha observed it, the apostles observe because if they did, then it's a good thing, right? We should follow their good example. Let's read here the book of Luke 2, uh, 41 to 43. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem, according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Yahusha lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know him. And so here we have Yahusha and his family on the, the Feast of Passover, which is composed of several days because it spans not just Passover, but also unleavened bread, and also the Feast of First Fruits, three feasts in one, which is the spring festivals. We know that Yahushua and his parents, they attended and observed the festivals and the pilgrimage, In Jerusalem, this is what they continued to do, because as the text says, it is their custom. So in the life of our King Yahushua, when he was here on earth, he practiced observing the feast of the Passover. When he grew older, when he became an adult, when he began to preach and fulfill his public ministry, did he stop observing the festivals? Matthew 26, 18 to 19. And he said, go into the city to a certain man, say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Yahusha had directed them and they prepared the Passover. And so according to Yahushua himself, you notice what he said, I will keep the Passover. He did not say he will abolish the Passover. No, he said, I will keep the Passover and so Yahushua from the time of his childhood up until the time of his death he kept the Passover feast. What also did our King Yahushua keep? Let's read the book of John seven thirty-seven to 39 on the last and greatest day of the feast Yahushua stood and said in a loud voice if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said streams of living water will flow from within him by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive up to that time the spirit had not been given since Yahusha had not yet been glorified and Yahusha also observed the other feasts yes here we have the feast of the tabernacles and on the last and greatest day of the feast of tabernacles Yahusha stood and he gave a testimony. He gave a promise that will be fulfilled. What is that? The outpouring of his spirit. And so we know according to scripture, we can read in the Bible, Yahusha, our King observed the Passover, observed the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, how about Pentecost? Well, we cannot read like letter for letter that Yahushua observed Pentecost, but we do know But our King Yahushua said for his people to be gathered together on the day of Pentecost. Because Yahushua will do something on that day. What was that? To pour out his spirit. So although we cannot read letter for letter that Yahushua Mm -hmm. observed the Feast of Pentecost, it is of course a natural implication and conclusion that we can make because of the pattern that was followed by our king, Yahusha. So to answer the question, did King Yahusha observe the feast, what is our answer? Yes, if it was good enough for our king, we should do the same thing. Why would we say it's wrong, it's evil, it's a sin to practice the feast of Yahuwah? Yahusha observed it, we should also observe the feast. Well, how about the apostles? Do they practice observing the feast? Because there are those who say, well. The reason why our King Yahushua practiced and observed the feast was because he didn't die yet. The covenant, the blood of the covenant was not established yet because he did not yet, he was not yet crucified on on the, the, the cross. He did not yet shed his blood. And so it was not yet time uh, to abolish the festivals. So well, how about during the days of the apostles? After the death and resurrection of our King, after ascending to heaven, did the apostles continue to observe The Feast of Yahuwah. Let's read the book of Acts 2, 1-4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What we read to you there was a gathering of the followers of Yahusha. And when did they gather together? On the day of Pentecost. So they were observing a festival. They were there in Jerusalem. And take note, this was after Yehusha ascended to heaven. This was after the death and resurrection of our king. And the apostles were all present, including the apostle Peter. The only apostle that was not included in this event, what's his name? Apostle Paul, because at this time he was a persecutor. He was not yet an apostle. But once he became converted, Apostle Paul, did he also follow and observe the festivals of Yahuwah? Let's read Corinthians 5 7 8. Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So Apostle Paul's confirming Yahusha the lamb of god was already sacrificed his blood was shed he died when apostle paul was speaking here yahushua has ascended to heaven right and it took about many years after before apostle paul got converted therefore let us keep the peace, not with old leaven nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth so here's apostle paul after he gets converted what does he do with the the Feast of Passover. Does he say discard it? Does he say it's no longer applicable? He's writing to the Corinthians. The Corinthians were Gentiles. They were pagans. They were not Israelites by birth. They were pagans by birth. Gentiles by birth. Converted by following Yahushua. And Apostle Paul says keep the feast of passover how about the other feast let's read acts 18 20 to 21 when they asked him to stay a longer time with them he did not consent but took leave of them saying i must by all means keep this coming peace in jerusalem but i will return to you god willing and he sailed from ephesus here's apostle paul and because of his desire to keep the coming feast, he had to forego the opportunity to meet with certain brethren, right? Because he had an obligation to keep the feast. He says, I must by all means keep this coming feast. And so even after Yahusha ascended to heaven, many years after the ascension of our King, the apostles continued to observe the East. This was again the Apostle Paul. What else? Acts 20, verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not uh, have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying, he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem. Why? If possible, on the day of Pentecost. And so here Apostle Paul again was in a hurry. He was, he was doing his best. He was a very busy person because he was evangelizing. He was journeying from place to place, sharing the gospel and preaching all about Yahushua. But when it was time to observe the feast, he did his best to go to Jerusalem and to observe the day of Pentecost. So here we have the apostles, all the apostles, Peter, John, James, including the Apostle Paul. They all observed the feast according to Scripture, not tradition, but according to. Scripture. So our King Yahushua and his apostles observed the feast. Therefore, I think it would be a good idea, don't you think, that we also follow that example? I don't think we're going to get into trouble. I don't think Yahuwah is going to say, because you are observing my feast, you're not going to be saved. I don't think that's going to happen because our king followed the feast. The apostles followed the feast. We should also, as disciples of our king, observe the feast that was observed by our king shall Now one might say, wait a minute, brother, you know, it's good to follow the feast, but you know, I am not Israelite. Because I am not Israelite, I should not follow the feast, because the feasts are only for the people of Israel. Well, if that is true, and I think that's probably a valid point, however, according to scriptures, who are considered Israelites? who are considered Yesharal? Let's find out the book of Ephesians 2, 11, to 13 and 19. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners of the covenants of the promise, Without hope and without God in the world, here the Apostle Paul writing to Ephes to the Ephesians, writing to Gentiles, right? Writing to pagans, and the Apostle Paul reminds them, "You're Gentiles at birth." What does it mean? They were not Hebrew. They were not Ishrael, and because they were not Ishrael, you notice what the Apostle Paul said to them: They were excluded from citizenship in Israel, so they were not Israelite, right? And because they were not Israelite, the Bible says they're foreigners to the covenants of the promise. So Apostle Paul is speaking about Israel here. However, does it mean there's no hope for those who were born Gentiles? Which is the case for many of us, right? But for a lot of us, for a lot of us, I think, listening here, I think a lot of us, when we look at our roots, we are really, when you think about it, descendants of Israel. Even by blood and by birth, we have claims for being Yisharal or being descendants of Israel. But for those who were not born, Israel, those who were born Gentiles, those who were Gentiles by birth, does it mean there's no more hope for them to be included in the, in the covenant of the promise? Well, let's keep reading. This is what it says, but now in Christ Yahushua, You who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So according to Apostle Paul, Gentiles who were born pagans, who were born uncircumcised, who were born not Jew, not Israelite, can they be brought close to Yahuwah Yeah. By the blood of our King Yahusha. You notice when one has been brought near by the blood of our King Yahusha, they become fellow citizens. Now, why did Apostle Paul say fellow citizens, right? Why did he add the word fellow? Because now, by virtue of the blood of our King Yahusha, they become fellow citizens because they are now included, not excluded. From the citizenship in Israel. Do you know what that means? Gentiles. Everyone. Whether you're Chinese or Japanese or Indian. Whatever your race or nationality. When you're covered by the blood of our King Yahusha. Redeemed and atoned for by his blood. Shed on the cross. Do you know what that means? You are now what? Yesharal. You are now Israelite. You are now a fellow citizen with Israel. And so what does that mean? we are Israelites and as Israelites we become members of God's household. We become members of the people of God and because we become members of the people of God we now have a claim we can now hope for and expect to be included in the covenants of the promise. This is why if we want to be a part of the promise that Yahuwah is fulfilling even at this point in time. We have to be included and become a citizen of Israel. How do you become a true citizen of Israel? By the blood of our King, Yahushua. Do you want to have a part of the covenants of the promise? Yeah, do you know what that means? The covenants of the promise? A covenant is an agreement. You see ever since the fall of man, what is Yahuwah doing? He is unfolding his work of redemption that his son Yahusha will fulfill. This is his promise. When the Bible speaks of promises, it speaks of the promise of Yahuwah's work of redemption so that we can become sons and daughters of Yahuwah. It's part of the covenant that he made. And so there's a promise that he made, but this covenant was made a long time ago to Abraham, to Israel. And so for us to be part of that covenant, we need to belong to Israel. And we belong to Israel by becoming redeemed by the shed blood of our King, Yahushua. Do you know what these promises are? Well, it's actually the feasts. You see, the feasts are the appointed times for when the promises of Yahuwah are to be fulfilled for His covenant People And we're going to show that to you later. This is why the feasts are so important because it's a timeline. It's like a calendar that Yahuwah has determined long ago. And he's going to look at that calendar. And at the appointed times, at the times of the feast, Yahuwah is going to fulfill one promise at a time for his covenant people. And what are these promises all about? It's about redemption and restoration. Do you want to be included there? Then we have to be fellow citizens of Israel. We have to be fellow citizens of Yeshua. How can we do that? By becoming in Yahushua, by becoming a part of his body, by receiving the shed blood of our King Yahushua. This is why when we look at the Holy Scriptures, which tell us our King Yahushua, who was Israelite, he fulfilled, uh, he observed the festivals. The apostles observed the festivals and we should also observe the festivals because those who belong to Yahusha are also what? Yishara. And as Yishara, we have a promise from Yahuwah that he will carry out and fulfill on the appointed days of the feast. And so having said that, I think we, have, we don't really need to go further I mean, there's way there's enough evidence for us to make the conclusion that observing the feast is the will of Yahweh. But for the sake of argument, let's look at the, what they say concerning biblical passages, which for them speak of opposition to the fulfillment of the uh, the Passover, the uh, the, the or the feasts of Yahweh. And so we will look at Galatians four 9, 10, and Colossians two sixteen and twenty three. Let's look first at the book of Galatians 4, 9 to 10. But before we go ahead and do that, I want to ask you the following question. Do you notice something about Galatians and Colossians? What do you notice about Galatians and Colossians? Two things I want you to notice. Galatians and Colossians, a lot of them who are in Galatians and Colossians, they're pagans. But number one, I want you to notice, who wrote these letters? Who wrote these letters? Apostle Paul. You notice what Apostle Paul did? We read scriptures. Apostle Paul, right? He observed the feast. If he's going to speak to Galatians and speak to the Colossians and say to them, we should no longer observe the feast, and then he goes out and observes the feast, what does that make him? Makes him a hypocrite, <laughs> right? This is why when we look at Galatians and Colossians and think, think logically, Think critically, I mean, why would Apostle Paul say that the feasts are no longer important when he himself gave importance to the feasts? Right? And so let's go and find out Galatians 4, 9 and 10. What is this all about? Galatians 4, 9 and 10. Uh, but know that but know that you know God, or rather are known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do You wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. And so this is the argument that they give. They cite Galatians 4, 8 to 10. And in verse 10, the Apostle Paul speaks about observing special days, special months, seasons, and years. And so what conclusion do they make? Ah, Apostle Paul in verse 10 is speaking about the feasts of Yahuwah. And then he says in verse 9 that these are weak and miserable principles. And why do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And so what conclusion do they draw from these two passages? When those who decide to follow Yahusha are baptized into his body and they go back and observe the Feast of Yahuwah, then they're being enslaved all over again. So according to them, observing the feast is a form of slavery. Not only that, according to them, observing the feasts or the feasts of Yahuwah are based on weak and miserable principles. Do you think the Apostle Paul would ever say that the feasts of Yahuwah are based on weak and miserable principles? No way! When you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, in many instances, the Apostle Paul uses weak and miserable principles. And apply that to pagan beliefs and practices. What Apostle Paul is referring to here are not the feasts of Yahuwah, but something else. Because he mentioned in verse 9, weak and miserable principles. Now what are these weak and miserable principles? Why do we believe it does not pertain to the feasts of Yahuwah? Because it doesn't mention feasts at all, does it? It only mentions Days and months and seasons and years. What is that all about? Well, we need to get the context. We read 9 all the way to 10. Let's read verse 8 to understand the the audience. Who is Apostle Paul speaking to and why? In verse 8, we will find out who he's speaking to in verse 9 to 10, the reason why he's writing to them. Let's read verse 8. This is what it says. Formerly, when you did not know God. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. So clearly, the Apostle Paul is addressing whom? Pagans, Gentiles, who did not know God. And what they were doing before they got converted were the things that were taught to them in their religion, right? Which are the weak and miserable principles. And so these pagans in Galatia were not Hebrew. These pagans from Galatia, that Apostle Paul was speaking to, what religion did they practice? Well, when we study the history of Galatia, who are the Galatians? We had one of our brethren uh, come up with this research material, who are the Galatians? Well, it turns out they were a, a Celtic or Celtic. Some people pronounce it Celtic or Celtic, tomato, tomato doesn't really matter, Celtic people dwelling in Galatia, a region of central Anatolia surrounding present day Ankara. During the Hellenistic period, they spoke the Galician language, which was closely related to Gaulish, a contemporary Celtic language spoken in Gaul. And so there were a Celtic people. They were pagans, what kind of pagans? From the Celtic people, they were Celtics. And the Celtics and the Galatians, they had their own system of religion they practiced religion, a pagan religion. What kind of religion do they practice? It's called animism. And animism is about ascribing human characteristics to lakes and streams and mountains. And so they, they worship nature. And throughout the year, nature changes. Sometimes it's autumn, nature changes. When it's spring, nature changes. And so depending on the time of season throughout the year, they have different kinds of worship. And one of the kinds of worship they practice is called Samhain. Samhain is a, a Gaelic festival making the end of the harvest season and beginning of winter of dark or darker half of the year. In the Northern Hemisphere, it is held on November the 1st, but with celebrations beginning on the evening of October 31st, since the Celtic day began and ended at sunset. So here's a practice of Samhain. And you notice, the dates, October 31st and November the 1st, which many people that they associate to Halloween and All Souls Day, right? Because a lot of the so-called Christian practices today, they were derived from pagan practices. Not only that, but according to sources, historical sources, the Galatian Celtic religion, they have different festival festivals, feasts uh, throughout the year. And so they have St. Bridges Day, And this was done, um, practiced by that religion during the spring equinox. They have the Lunghasa during the autumn or uh, fall equinox. They have the winter solstice. And they also have the summer solstice. And throughout the year, they have different celebrations, different festivities, according to the seasons, according to the years, according to the days and months. And so the Galatians, clearly, Apostle Paul was referring to the Galatian old ways. He fears that the Galatian converts might go back to immoral, filthy, and indecent actions and worship of idols and witchcraft, and might go back to being envious and get drunk, have orgies, and do other things like these. Apostle Paul in Galatians 4, he was not referring to the Sabbath. He was not referring to Yahuwah's peace. No. He was referring to the Celtic Druid monthly and annual festivals. This is why when we read scripture, we have to have in mind the context. You can't just look at the verse and then, and then ignore verse 8. right? You read 9 and 10 and you ignore verse 8. We cannot do that. You have to look at the context of the passage because the context tells us that Apostle Paul was writing to the Galatians who had... Practice Celtic religion, and so before they did not know God, now that they have known God, have been taught the ways of Yahuwah, have been taught how to practice the true festivals, now why are you going back to the practice of the other festivals that you were taught in your former religion? And so the wrong understanding of Galatians 4, 9-10 to is when you exclude verse 8. And so you will come up with the following conclusion. Apostle Paul rebukes those who go back to observing Sabbath and the religious festivals. But that's a wrong understanding. They do not take into account Galatians 4, verse 8, that tells us the Apostle Paul was really talking about rebuking the Gentiles because they were going back to practicing their old Druid ways and Celtic ways, back to their pagan beliefs. And so Apostle Paul. In verse 11 says, I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. And so the observing of special days and months and seasons and years in verse 10, that's not the Sabbath. That's not the festivals. Because why would Apostle Paul call it weak and miserable? Apostle Paul would never call the Sabbath. He would never call the, the, the feast weak and miserable. Even if, let's say for the sake of argument, even if we say that the, the feasts are no longer applicable, you're not going to call it weak and miserable, right? Because it's still Yahuwah's feasts. Not Israel's feasts, but Yahuwah's feasts. It's still his. Why would you call it weak and miserable? Okay, so Galatians 4 9 to 11, Apostle Paul's not speaking about the feasts in verse 10, he was speaking about pagan practices that was adopted by the Galatians before they were converted to following, following our King Yahushua. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Take note, Apostle Paul, again, is the one who wrote this, and Apostle Paul practiced and observed the feasts, right? And so what does he say in Colossians 2, verse 16? Many people jump to Colossians 2, verse 16 to tell the people, you know, we should no longer observe the Sabbath, we should no longer observe the feasts and all that. But this is what Apostle Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 16, that no one judge you. In food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or sabbaths. So I want to pause it for a while. That's the passage. I want you to look at the passage. Where in this verse does it say Apostle Paul is telling the Colossians stop observing the Sabbath. Stop observing um, the festivals. I'm going to give you a moment to read the passage. You can see it on the screen. Is Apostle Paul, I mean just read it plainly. Right? If you read it plainly, what do you notice? Is Apostle Paul telling... The Christians in Palos, the followers of our King Yahushua who were in Palos, Is Apostle Paul telling them stop observing the feast? No, he's telling them something specific. Do not let these people, so there are people, judging them, right? Do not let anyone judge you. Judge you about what? Regarding a festival. And so Apostle Paul said regarding a festival. What does that mean? It means those in Colos were practicing the festival because if they were not practicing the festival, then Apostle Paul would not have used the word regarding. Because he used the word regarding, it means the Apostle Paul knew that these Colossians were practicing the Sabbath. They were practicing the festival. This is why he wrote to them and said, let no one judge you concerning your practice of the festival. In Colossians 2.16, the Amplified Version, therefore let no one sit in judgment on you in matters of food and drink, or with regard to a feast day. And so Apostle Paul said, no one judge you concerning how you observe the feast. So the implication is these, the Colossians are already observing the feast. And Apostle Paul is not saying to them, stop it. He's saying to them, do not let these outsiders judge you on how you observe them, okay? And it's the same thing in, in NIV regarding to a religious festival. So Colossians 2:16, when we read it critically, Apostle Paul was telling the Colossians not to let outsiders, pagans, and false believers, to influence their observance of the feast and the Sabbaths. We're gonna look at later on who these people exactly are, but what we know, the Colossians were practicing the festivals and the Sabbaths, that's revealed in Colossians 2 verse. 16. Now what is Colossians 2.23? Well this was brought up by our good friend Brother Bob Pellin from his program called "That's in the Bible. Apostle Paul, he said okay this is uh, Brother Bob saying Apostle Paul considered the Sabbath useless. Not just the Sabbath but also the festivals useless. And what was his basis for making this conclusion that Apostle Paul considered the Sabbath useless? Well he cited Colossians in the CCB, the Christian Community Bible, which by the way was translated by the Catholic Church or by, uh, by Catholic priests. Uh, Colossians 2:16-23, this is what it says. These doctrines may seem to be profound because they speak of religious observance and humility and of disregarding the body. In fact, they are useless as soon as the flesh rebels. And so according to Colossians chapter 2, 216 is about the observance of the Sabbath and the feast. And in verse 23, Apostle Paul mentions. But these doctrines seem uh, they seem profound because they speak of religious observance. And he makes he says they are useless as soon as the flesh rebels. And so according to Baraba, these doctrines that Apostle Paul is speaking about in verse 23, okay? We're not in verse 16, we're in verse 23. So these doctrines that the Apostle Paul is speaking about in verse 23, well, that's the Sabbath, and that's also the, the feasts or the festivals, which is why. He concluded from Colossians uh, 2.23 that Apostle Paul considered the Sabbath and the festivals to be useless. But we need to know, know, verse 23, what are these doctrines that Apostle Paul was speaking about? Was he speaking about the observance of the Sabbath? Was he talking about the feasts of Yahuwah? What are these doctrines exactly? Again, what do we need to do? Context, 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 right? We read 23. I mean, if you really want to know the whole story about Colossians 2.16, I urge you, read the whole chapter. It's going to open your mind when you read the whole chapter. Because if we just look at Colossians 2.16 and not think critically, you're going to make all these assumptions that are not warranted by a critical um, examination of the context of the scripture. And so, for example, we read 23. These doctrines may seem to be profound because they speak of religious observance and humility and of disregarding the body. In fact, they are useless as soon as the flesh rebels. So when Apostle Paul mentioned these doctrines, was he referring to the Torah? Was he referring to the Sabbath, the feast? Let's find out. Let's read 20 all the way to 22 and then 23. This is what it says. If you have really died with Christ, right? That means you were converted. You were baptized into his body because by baptism we die together with Yahusha in baptism, buried in baptism. So they are baptized. And so the Colossians that Apostle Paul was speaking to, they were baptized into Yahusha. And as soon as they were baptized, they were supposed to get rid of what? Principles of the world. There we go again. Principles. In Galatians, when he's speaking about the weak and miserable principles of the world, what is he talking about? Pagan practices. Pagan beliefs. Pagan religion. That's what he's talking about. The philosophies of the world. And so Apostle Paul says, you died with Christ, you're supposed to get rid of the principles of the world. Why do you not let yourselves be taught as if you belong? and, And why do you now let yourselves be taught as if you belong to the world? Do not eat this, do not taste that, do not touch that. These are human rules and teachings. Referring to things that are perishable, that wear out and disappear. These doctrines may seem to be profound because they speak of religious observance and humility and of disregarding the body. In fact, they are useless as soon as the flesh rebels. So now I'm going look at the context. The doctrine Apostle Paul was referring to in verse 23, it's not about the Torah. It's not about the Sabbath. It's not about the festivals. What is it about? It's about the principles of the world. Pagan religions and practices, what is their basis? Human rules and teachings, and they're the ones that are useless. Question the the, Feast the feasts of Yahuwah, is that a human rule and teaching? No. The Sabbath, is that a human rule and teaching? No. That is from Yahuwah, that is from Abba, our Alami. And so Apostle Paul was not speaking about the Sabbath and the festive the festivals or the feasts in verse 23. This is why he said in Colossians 2 16, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or or with regard to a religious festival, a moon moon celebration or a Sabbath day. And so when Apostle Paul says do not let anyone judge you, who was he speaking about? We know that whoever this anyone Apostle Paul is talking about, they're the ones who are upholding the the, uh, human teachings and doctrines. They're the ones who are upholding teaching which are useless. Who are they? Those who were judging the followers of our King Yahushua. Let's find out. Colossians 2 verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels. Let's pause for a while. Whoever these people were who were judging the Christians there in Colossus, they were being judged by people who worshiped who. Angels, wait a minute. Was that ever taught in the Torah? Did the Apostle Paul, that our King Yahusha, did the other apostles ever preach? That we are to worship angels? No, it's a pagan practice. It's a pagan belief. This is why those who were judging the followers of Yahusha, their religion involved the worship of angels. So this could not be Christianity. This could not be a Torah. Right? This was something else. And the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. it's a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind pops him up with idle notions. And so clearly Apostle Paul is teaching the brethren in Carlos that they should be careful not to be influenced by people who worship angels. right? And who were they? Well, they were the Gnostics. If we study history during the days of the apostles, what became popular? more and more and contended against Christianity was this philosophy called Gnostics, Gnosticism. It's a philosophy and a religion and it's about their view of the world. They do not view the the body to be good and they do not believe that Yahusha came in a, in a bodily form because the body inherently is bad. Which is why they don't believe in any kind of human body for Yahusha. And so these people worship angels they had pursued secret knowledge, that's what Gnosis actually means, and they denied sensory pleasure, and so they would, you know, they would have different regulations concerning fasting. is so why they would have, you know, certain rules concerning when to fast, how often to fast. And so these are from the philosophy of the Gnostics. In Kalos, the Gnostics were gaining popularity, they were gaining influence, and they were now influencing the followers of Rakim Yahusha. they're in Kalos influencing their observance of the Sabbath. And so they were teaching the Brethren Carlos, when you observe the Sabbath and the feast, don't do this, don't do that. All these human rules that the Apostle Paul and Moses never preached concerning the observance of Sabbath and also the, the festival. So in Colossians 2, the Gnostics opposed the feast days and other laws from Moses. And so what does Apostle Paul say in verse 8? He says, see to it then that no one enslaves you by means of the worthless deceit of human wisdom." You see the Gnostic belief, it's not from Yahuwah, it is from human wisdom, which comes from the teachings handed down by human beings and from the ruling spirits of the universe and not from Christ. And so these Gnostics, these people who were trying to influence the followers of our King Yahusha, they were practicing a religion that came from the ruling spirits of the universe. This is why even today we need to be careful because these spirits are alive and strong, and even today, there's many philosophies out there that begin to infiltrate our faith, right? There are people who are introducing strange concepts, of pantheistic concepts, including the belief and idea that somehow we participate with the universe. That we are part of the universe and part of Godhead, called pantheism, you know? And although they believe in God, to them it's an impersonal force. And so these are all pagan ideas. It comes from the ruling spirits of the universe. And even today, as we are being influenced by it back then, it was also alive and well. That's why Apostle Paul says, You got to make a distinction between human wisdom and the wisdom of Yahuwah, right? There's two different things. And so we need to make sure when we observe the feast, when we observe the Sabbaths, it's not according to human tradition, but according to the will of Yahuwah recorded in scripture. So, what does Apostle Paul advised, you were not, you were at one time spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were Gentiles without the law. So before, when they would have religious practices, it was only according to human wisdom because they were not given the law. Now that they were added to the body of Phoenicia, they're given the law because now they become fellow citizens of Israel. And so, but God has not brought you to life with Christ. God forgave us all our sins. He canceled the unfavorable record of our debts with its binding rules and did away with with it completely by kneeling to the cross. And on the cross, Christ freed himself uh, from the power of the spiritual rulers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them by leading them as captives in his victory procession. And so, Apostle Paul is saying, "Do do not practice anymore the religion of these Gnostics. Because now you belong to Christ. And now you have the law. Because you have Christ, the law. You have been redeemed by the blood of Yahushua. We must separate from this old practice. After saying that, he says, so let no one judge you. Do not let them judge you, Apostle Paul saying, concerning how you are to observe the feast and the Sabbaths. And so Colossians 2.16 prove that the early Christians, including the Gentiles, observed the festivals and the Sabbaths. This is why we too, we too should practice and observe the Sabbath and also the feasts and festivals of Yahweh. However, something we need to keep in mind, brothers and sisters, when we observe the festivals of Yahuwah, of course we cannot literally fulfill the feasts of Yahuwah, right? I mean, if we were to literally fulfill it for tabernacles, we have to get tents and all that. We have to go to Israel and go to the wilderness and everything like that. We're not going to observe it literally. We're not to fulfill it literally, but we fulfill its deep spiritual intent. This is what's valuable, right? What's valuable is that we are fulfilling the spiritual purpose of these festivals, including the Sabbath. So what are they? What's the purpose of the feasts in the first place? Why do we observe it even today when it was given long ago during the days of Moses? Why is it relevant and applicable today? Let's read the book of Leviticus 23 verses four. These are the feasts of Yahuwah, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. And really, this is all we need to know about the Feast of Yahuwah, in this one passage alone, we can discern now why we need to keep observing the feasts. Because in this passage, it tells us how we can fulfill the Feast of Yahuwah according to its deep spiritual intent and purpose. What is that? Well, first of all, let's understand what it means when the Bible mentions the feasts of Yahuwah. Take note, it doesn't say the feast of Israel, right? It's the feast of Yahuwah. This is Yahuwah's feast. In verse one, Yahuwah says, my feast. Why did he say my feasts"? When you think of the word feast, right? What comes to mind when you think of the word feast? Be honest. What comes to mind when you think of the word feast? Lots of food, right? A get together, you're eating a lot of, uh, good food, feeling yourself, having fun, having a merry time. And the truth is, this is what Yahuwah wants for his people. He wants his people to gather, to eat, to enjoy the presence of Yahuwah and the presence of one another. But there's a deeper meaning for that word feast. And there's a reason why the Bible says the feast of Yahuwah or my feast. The word feast in Hebrew, You know what it means? When we look at Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word moed, moed, the moedim, the feasts of Yehovah, Hebrew word 4150, which means what? Mm, Look at that, it's an appointed time. In other words, the word feast is an appointed time. When you think of an appointed time, what comes to your mind? If you are like so many people today, you probably have a calendar and a to-do list. For example, on November 15, I'm gonna go to the dentist. It's an appointed time. You have an appointment. Yahuwah uh, decided on certain times. These are called the Moedim. And so when we speak of the Moedim, it's an appointed time that belongs to who? Yahuwah. It's Yahuwah's feast, meaning it's Yahuwah's appointed time. What does that mean? In his calendar, he has determined that his promises will be fulfilled on these appointed times. This is why the feasts are so important, not because of the literal components of the feast, but the spiritual components. And one of them is to understand the word feast means moed, appointed time. It is Yahuwah's schedule, he's going to do something. And so what should be our response? Yahuwah has determined an appointed time, right? And so what does a few want his people to do with his appointed time that is revealed in the Moedim, in the feasts that belong to Yahuwah? Well, let's go back to Leviticus 2.3.4. Bible says these are the feasts of Yahuwah, appointed time, Moedim, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed time. So we have, according to the Holy Scriptures, what we as people of Yahuwah ought to do because Yahuwah has declared an appointed time for the unfolding of his plans, his work of redemption. What is that? We have to have a convocation. Now, who knows what a convocation is? What does that mean? This is what Yahuwah expects from his people. He sets the appointed time. We need to have a convocation about that. What does that mean? Well, the word convocation is a Hebrew word 4744 mikra which means, of course, an assembly, a public meeting. But you notice something there? It's also a rehearsal. A convocation is when the people of Yahuwah gather together, assemble together for the purpose of worship because we're going to be reading, we're going to be reciting the promises of Yahuwah that he will unfold on his moedim. You see, Yahuwah doesn't do his work haphazardly. He has a plan, you know what i He has a detailed plan, more more detailed than we can ever imagine. And Yahuwah Yahuwah has set that appointed time at Moedim. And so when the Bible says, the people of Yahuwah are to meet together for an assembly, for the purpose of worship, for the purpose of reading and proclaiming the word of Yahuwah Abba. We do this by faith, because when you rehearse something, it means you are saying to Yahuwah, I believe that you will fulfill your promise on your appointed time. So it's, it's an act of faith, you get it? And so Yahuwah determines when and what he will do, the work of redemption. He tells us when he will do it, one of the um, appointed times, one of the seven appointed times, like right? he will do some kind of work. And when we celebrate that, when we meet together, we are rehearsing, we are practicing, we are preparing for that moment. The promise to be fulfilled on the appointed time. This is why the people of Yahuwah, right, those who are included in the promises, those who are included in the citizenship of Israel, which would be us because we're covered by the of our King Yahushua, guess what? We're part of that covenant. The covenant of the promise. The covenant of the promise is what Yahuwah will do one by one. His promises will be fulfilled on set dates. One are those dates? When are those dates? When will Yahuwah fulfill His promises of redemption? What dates? The Moedim, the appointed times. When it says covenants of the promise. It's telling us we who belong to Israel because we have been redeemed by the blood of Yahushua, we are part of that promise now. And so we ought to be observing and practicing and rehearsing the Moedim. The feasts are the appointed times when the promises of Yahuwah are to be fulfilled for his covenant people. This is why the promises of Yahuwah concerning his unfolding work of redemption will be fulfilled by his son. Who is that? Our King Yahushua. And so Yahuwah, when he gave the feast to Moses, he's basically telling Moses and the people of Israel, not explicitly, but implicitly, he's telling them, these are the feast dates. And for those who were alive in the days of Moses, it probably, it, it probably didn't make sense to them. They did not understand why are these dates important, but they are, right? Why? Because on those dates, on those specific dates, what is Yahusha going to do? At those appointed times, Yahusha will be sent to carry out specific work according to the promise of Yahuwah to fulfill the work of redemption. So when we observe the feast, when we meet as a congregation right we rehearse by faith the promises of Yehovah. it's like we're saying to you we believe in the promises and we're thankful for, for what you have done because he will fulfill it to his covenant people so now it makes sense colossians 2 16 17 let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or sabbaths which are a shadow of things to come but the substance is of christ you see During the days of Israel, during the days of ancient Israel, all the Moedin, it was a shadow. And it pointed to who? Our king? Yahusha. What does that tell us about the Moedin? What does that tell us about the festivals? They are important because it points to Yahusha. And so because it points to Yahusha, what is the importance of the events that took place in the past, the festivals? Well, they are to act as a memorial. It is a memorial that pointed to our King Yahusha because Yahusha did his work on those appointed times. This is why when we think of the unfolding redemptive history, it follows the pattern of the Mo'odin. Yahusha is not gonna break, but fulfill the Mo'odin or the appointed times. And when we go back and look at what Yahusha did on the feasts, these are the feasts on the left, the seven, right? You have the Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, Feast of weeks, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Feast of Tabernacles. And so you look at the appointed times, 14th day of the first month, 15th day of the first month, the day after, the day after the Sabbath after Passover, 50th day from the first fruits, feast of trumpets, first day of the seventh month, 10th day of the seventh month for day of atonement, and the feast of tabernacles begins on the 15th day of the seventh month. And so these are specific dates, specific times, right? And what does that mean again? It's Yahuwah's appointed time. Yahuwah's Moedim. He's going to do something. What will he do? He will send his son on these appointed times to carry out the work of redemption. Did Yahushua follow the Moedim? Yeah, he did. Passover. What did Yahushua do in the Passover? Die. He died for us. What did he do on the Feast of Unleavened Bread? He He was buried in the grave and remained there. Three days, three nights. On the feast of first fruits, what did Yahushua do? He appeared, resurrected to his disciples. And on the 50th day from first fruits, what did he do? He gave the Spirit to his ecclesia, the ascended. And so on those specific dates, what did Yahushua do? He did something to fulfill the promise of Yahuwah. Because the death, the burial, the resurrection, the giving of the Spirit, guess what? They're all promises of Yahuwah for his covenant people. Yahuwah determined this will be fulfilled by by his son on these appointed days. This is why the festivals are a shadow. And the shadow pointed to who? The substance. Who is that substance or body? Yahusha. But you know what? Yahusha fulfilled the first four feasts, right? He did great things. He did what Yahuwah promised on those first feasts, on the first four feasts, but there's three feasts left. This is why the first four feasts, in a way, we celebrate those feasts as a memorial because of what Yahusha did on those feast dates. It's a memorial, meaning we, we go back and say, thank you, Father, because Yahushua died, because he was in the grave, because he resurrected, because he sent the spirit, we're thankful, right? But, there's still three feasts that we are rehearsing for. This is why the feasts we still need to observe because we're rehearsing for future events. What's going to happen? The second coming. And so, if the first advent of Yahusha, and during that age, Yahusha fulfilled the first four feasts according to its dates, we can logically conclude, right? We can conclude that Yahusha is going to do something. On the Feast of Trumpets, of the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. This is why, even though we cannot literally fulfill the Feast of Yehuda, we fulfill its deeper spiritual intent and purpose. What is that? We observe the feast as a memorial, thanksgiving for the promises that He has already been fulfilled, that has already been fulfilled, and it's a rehearsal to prepare by faith the promises that will be future that will be fulfilled. This is why the feasts are so important to the people of Yahuwah. When we practice and observe the feasts, we express our faith, we express our thanksgiving. And when we gather together for a feast to honor Yahuwah's feast, what does Yahuwah command us to do? This is a command from Yahuwah, this is not from us. This is what he says in the book of Deuteronomy. Three times a year, all your men must appear before Yahuwah your God at the place he will choose, at the feast of unleavened bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles, no man should appear before Yahuwah empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way Yahuwah your God has blessed you. Remember, when we meet together for our festivals on the appointed days, those appointed days are very important to Yahuwah. When you consider the, the year, for example, the year 2022, Yahuwah highlighted seven important dates right he highlighted seven important dates seven these are the feasts of yahuwah they're important to him and so it should be important to us why because we express thanksgiving we express our faith when we observe these festivals and what does yahuwah require from us when we meet together on these appointed days the bible says bring a gift be an offering in proportion to how god has blessed us you know this is uh Something that we need to remember because when we were still from the religion that we practiced before, where we came from, right, see we had special offerings, right? These are the special offerings of Yahuwah. If there are special offerings in the Bible, it would be this. It's the offering that we present to him as a gift when we observe the feast, Because the feasts are what, again, appointed times. And this is how the calendar of worship worked for the people of Yahuwah. It begins with the Sabbath and continues with the feast. And you have your whole worship program for the whole year. The whole worship program for the whole year is following the pattern of the Sabbath and the feasts. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts of Yahuwah, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, These are my feasts." Why does he say these are my feasts? Because these are his appointed times. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. So even the Sabbath is considered a holy convocation. This is why we're practicing the Sabbath as well. We meet together for worship on the Sabbath. We shall do no work, on it, it is the Sabbath of Yahuwah, Yahuwah in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of Yahuwah, holy convocations that you shall proclaim at the appointed times. This is the reason why even today we practice the autumn feast, because it pleases Yahuwah, it is his work, his feast, his appointed time. When we observe it, we do two things. We show thanksgiving, right? We give thanksgiving. Because we serve it serves as a memorial and we thank Yahuwah for what he did on those appointed times. And at the same time, it is an expression of faith. We say to Yahuwah Abba, I believe that you will fulfill the rest of your promises on these appointed dates. And so it's an expression of thanksgiving, an expression of faith. Together, that's how we fulfill spiritually the Moedeen, the appointed feasts of our Father, Father Yehua. So, We're going to begin our Autumn Feast celebration with the Feast of Trumpets. But what is the Feast of Trumpets all about? That's what we will study in the BHP this coming Thursday. Okay, we'll talk about the Feast of Trumpets and we're gonna share something with you that's very controversial, but we will share it with you. We're not gonna be dogmatic about it, but we'll present it to you and we'll leave it up to you to decide on your own what to do with it, okay? But we'll talk about the Feast of Trumpets Uh, next, this coming Thursday, right, for our Bible history project. That is our lesson for today. Let us stand and we shall pray. Everlasting Father, merciful and gracious Yahuwah Abba, thank you again for blessing your people. We believe we are so fortunate because we are considered your people. We are considered your household because we belong to your only begotten son, Yahusha. Thank you because we are no longer strangers to the covenants of promise. We, your people, we gather before you to thank you for what you have done and what you will continue to do. Father, please bless the assembly. May you strengthen our faith. May you bless us with more wisdom as we study the prophecies, as we study the whole book of scripture. May you open our eyes, our minds and our hearts Fill us please with your Holy Spirit that we will grow in wisdom and knowledge as well. Our King Yahusha, thank you for being there. Thank you for accomplishing the muri. But we know you will continue to do and complete the rest of the work of restoration. We are here to follow you, to to look at your good example and to imitate you and follow your steps. Help us to be bold in proclaiming the truth. Help us to be strong in our faith. May you always guide our hearts. Teach us to be hopeful even when we grow, go through many tribulations in life. May you strengthen our faith and teach us to love even those who oppose us. That we can be like you each day in our life. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior. Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.